0: Hey, everybody. It is Dave and Jeff. It is May 24th, 2021.
1: Well, Dave, we were here, I think, last week, and we were talking and we found the news that a guy that means so much to you and me personally, but I feel like this guy, maybe as much as anybody we have encountered in radio, has a connection with the audience at a different level, where everybody felt like they knew him. Uh, whether they have met him or not, just because his voice has been on your radio for 25 years, if not longer. And so we found out last week that Ernie Martinez was leaving Extra, where he was a part of our show, part of so many other shows, and had been doing a great job in the mornings with Steve Hartman and Ben Fletcher, a couple of friends of ours, and he wrapped it up. And I I said to Dave, and Dave, I know you feel the same way, we see different guys move on from radio. It's the nature of the business. It's a lot like coaching, where you're hired to be fired. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but this one stung. And let me emphasize, he was not fired. He's one of the few guys that leave left on his own terms. But we reached out to Ernie Martinez. We said, come on down
2: to the garage, and he's here. Ernie, it's great to see you. Well, first of all, guys, it's always a blast. And uh, as you mentioned, our friendship goes back a long ways. A couple of things. I thought it was actually you, Jeff, that was on the drums at the beginning of the show. I thought that was live. No, I (laughs) I wish. I wish. And uh, 35 years. Thirty. Have you thrown the two and a half years of college radio at Palomar?
1: I want to ask: Is that where you were the real art gold? That's where
2: I was the real art gold. Yep, I had to come up with a name because I was obviously wanted to get in sports. I, you know, it was before sports radio, so it was all about. You had to get a play-by-play gig at the major league level. You had to go around the United States, go to these podunk cities, and I was prepared for that. And as you're cutting your teeth in the college radio level, you know, I love old music, and I they had an opening, and so. I applied for it. They gave it to me on Sundays. little denial of Sundays would be a huge part of my schedule moving forward. It just never ends. But, uh, yeah, they said, well, let's change the personalities a bit so people don't get confused. Like, okay, like, you're not going to tell me the, diff- <laughs> tell the difference from me doing sports to trying to be some top 40 oldie guy. But, uh, yeah, that's where the real art gold got started.
0: That's amazing. Here's the interesting thing with Ernie is that you and I, Jeff, we talk about our relationships in radio all the time. My first day in radio is when I met about four people in the same day. Mm-hmm. People like that are on there, like Steve Mason and John Contrera. Believe it or not, was like in the bathroom at the old Noble station, <laughs> changing light bulbs out. And yeah, I was like, yeah. "Wait a second, is he the building maintenance guy?" Like I had no idea what the fuck John did. And then um, I met Ernie and Dave Marcus and John Jednak and. You know, the sports doctor and Chris Ello, and out of all those guys, the only guy that was super cool to a guy like me was Ernie, and Ernie's the one that walked me down, I don't know if you remember, to my first Padre game when I was asked to cover a game and introduced me to Tony Gwynn Mm. and established a great relationship, but... You know, all of us have been friends with Ernie. Ernie has more friends than anybody in this town As We always say all the time, you know it's radio because they stab you in the front. (laughs) Ernie was never that guy. Ernie never did anybody wrong. And so, you know, I wrote on Twitter and and just giving Mark Grant a hard time because Mark Grant's one of the best guys we know. You guys are so rare in this broadcasting business where you've always just said, you know what, I'm going to be the good guy. I'm not going to be worried about good guys
2: finish last and getting walked over. But you've always stayed true to yourself. Yeah, you know, Dave, and I've always – you said something to me early on. It's just like – and I always wanted to embrace it, and that was like, do it now and ask questions later. You know, defend yourself. But it, it's just a, – it's a tough thing, and, and it is the nature of the business. And I, and even after all these years in radio, it's just I, – I felt like I fell short in a lot of things that I could have done better. But honestly, when I was leaving that building on Friday, and I just sort of saved it to the end because I really didn't know – how it was going to end. I really had, it wasn't planned. It was just a situation where it happened. It, and it is bottom line is it was 100% family. family comes first and uh, that company knew it. And so I, I didn't know how to approach it. So I just, I, I told Steve Harbin, I go, look it. let's just wait for that final segment. And you can say the tease, Hey, we got a big announcement coming up and I'll just say goodbye and then Steve dropped it on the air like right at the beginning, <laughs> and I just <laughs> lost it. I just yeah. lost it. But you know, I really had no exit plan. But I tell you what, I woke up this morning, still at the same time thinking I was getting up for the morning show, tossed and turned for about an hour, went back to sleep, and I just feel I feel so much better. It's yeah. just like it sort of feels you have, a as of right now in the moment, and I can't tell you, Thank you guys again. You were right there at the beginning to to lend support, invite me here. Hey, when you get things figured out, whenever it may be, we're here. And I couldn't thank you guys more. And honestly, I think the biggest thing was if I give my notice now, that's a much quicker way to get an invite to this show. In the garage. <laughs> well, you know, uh,
1: what I think, Ern, and,
2: and what's so great is –
1: I look back at when Dave and I got in in 98, but I look back to when I first got into a radio station in 91. I know Dave's time frame is pretty close to the same. And I want to go back. What I said to Dave was what would be really fun is to take you back. A little bit of This Is Your Life, and then we can work into what happened the last couple of weeks. But I think people will be fascinated. The old timers will remember this, but I think even the old timers we'll forget some of the things. So we talked about KKSM. You're there as a kid. You're at Palomar, legendary program. I I remember trying to get in at that program, but they wanted me to do all the gen ed. And all Mm. I wanted to do was just go for radio and I didn't do it. But if you lived in North County, you knew if this was even slightly in your head, that Palomar program is highly regarded, something you're very close to to this day. So when you're there at KKSM, right at that time, and I know you're doing some baseball play-by-play, play, but as you looked out, like I've, I've said this all the time, when we got in, I got into KCLX, my dream was to go on the FM. I, I worked for KSDO, but mm-hmm. I wanted to go on the FM and be John Leslie, John Dion, Charlie Weaver, and, and it worked out. But for you, what when you were sitting there, if Dave and I had the chance to talk to you back and say, Ernie, what path did you want to be? What did you see yourself doing?
2: It was play by play for baseball, and look at growing up in San Diego, listening to Jerry Coleman, Bob Chandler, Ted Leitner, Dave Campbell. Those were the guys. But honestly, you know, right up the road, uh, the Dodger station blew up all over the place, and how could you not like Vin Scully? Yeah. I mean, everybody loved Vin Scully, and just how gracious he always was. So that. Those are the guys that planted the seed once I knew my baseball career at Escondido High had no, (laughs) no, no, there was no going to be moving forward on that. So and like all of us, you hear the same thing. I started talking in at the end of the bat doing play by play, interviewing the players after the game, even after losses. And people would get pissed at me like, Ernie, we just lost a game. I go, yeah, I know a tough one guy. I said, you know, I know the emotions are a little down, right? So I was always just trying to get into character then. So That was the route for me, was to get into a play-by-play of some sort. And at the time, I don't think any of us knew that sports radio was going to be what it was. And to have worked at 690 when it launched, and to be part of that, going from... Were you in from day one? No, I came in, they launched in late uh, 1990. I came in March of 1991. And I was wrapping stuff up at Palomar College, and doing all the junior college sports. I literally turned in my air check, uh, Hacksaw, turned it over to Hal Brown. And um, actually I gave it to a friend of mine who I'm going to meet with here in a couple of days, Carly Starr. And she was interning at 91X. I said, Hey, do you ever run into Hacksaw? And she said, she handed it over to Hacksaw. And lo and behold, in a matter of uh, two weeks, I went from covering uh, junior college sports to the Padres, the Chargers. So my life just changed. It happened so quickly. And, you know, moving back forward, the day they called me for a job job interview was uh, April Fool's Day of 1991. So I didn't believe it was really happening when she said, hey, they liked your check. They're going to call you. And I did not believe her. And the next day I got a call and, uh, you know, I said, well, I'll write this out. And I wrote it out for, you know, 20 plus years and got to cover the Padres, which is obviously where yeah. we really connected. And um, and that really was it. And just having the opportunity to cover the Chargers and the WTA when golf and the PGA was really in, in, in the WT uh, tennis women's yeah. tournament would come up to La Costa, all those seemed much larger back then than they are now. But it was just a fun time. It really was.
0: Ernie said something that is one of my favorite stories of all time, and it had nothing to do with radio. But when you said it, I, I remember this. He said, "Is remembered that his high school baseball career wasn't going to go far." At Escondido. If I have this story right, weren't you on the Escondido baseball team and your coach said, basically, I'm cutting you and I want your uniform back? <laughs> yes, yes. And, <laughs> and For Ernie to get out of this, Jeff, yeah. he said, the fuck you are and wears uniform <laughs> to school every day so the guy couldn't take his uniform back because that's the only clothes he had.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I had two moments in my life where you know it probably was out of character and that was definitely one of them. I, I got uh, kicked off the team uh, a week before my senior year, and uh, was died my my Letterman's jacket, my letter my senior letter, so I went and got the uniform, got it all dirtied up both of them, and put them on his desk and walked out the door. I said, "There's your uniform." Finally, you give them back. And, nice. Yeah, and the other time is when I quit. Uh, uh a big box company in san marcos at one time i just had it with that manager and i just i looked at him and i'm here i go i said fuck you fuck you and fuck you with my middle finger to their face it wasn't a proud moment because then i go home and tell my mom like mom i just did something And she goes oh ernie and but they liked me so much as i was exiting after telling my manager to f off with a middle finger in his face in front of the, the customers and everybody else, he said, hey, you're coming back for the uh, work meeting tonight, right? And I went, who does that? <laughs> I walked in three hours later to the work meeting you with, like a, a, <laughs> with yeah. a trench coat. And I kept my job for another two and a half years until I left to get <laughs> into radio. <laughs> Dude,
1: One thing you talked about, and, and it's such a big part of our lives, and, and it's the thing that, that I think, Ernie, we look back and we're so lucky. In, in when we all cut our teeth, we cut our teeth at an amazing time. You talked about the Chargers when we had Junior here and Rodney here. But, but let's bring it over to the Padres mm-hmm. because I, I know you feel the same way. We were so lucky. We were so young. We were so green. We had no idea what we were doing. And we were so lucky that we had not only Tony and Boach and Trevor. By the way, that was – insanely oh, cool on you know, friday we'll get, would, it, yeah we'll get to that but you had an unbelievable experience i believe am i crazy or did you travel with that team or did you travel almost like a beat writer for a while was that only during the playoffs that was
2: 1998 yeah it was uh 1998 after uh they had me working uh the game in which the potteries beat the astros yeah and yeah. you called me from the the clubhouse and you go i can't believe you're not here they had me working a weekend show that that night they go uh, i can't believe we're here and i was i was really really bummed but then i got a call shortly thereafter and uh, joe titino goes pack your bags you're going on the road and that's when i went to Atlanta, and it was a two-week whirlwind i got to go to atlanta Yankee and I got Stadium. to go to New York, Yankee Stadium. And it really ended up being the, my greatest moment uh, covering the Padres. was to see Tony Gwynn hit that home run out of Yankee Stadium because right there in the moment I knew that that was the greatest moment that I would have ever witnessed covering that team. And uh, that was a fun two weeks.
1: Dave, I'm going to ask you and ask Ernie at the same time because I look back at that. Dave and I are just starting. We're doing pre- and post-game shows on the flagship, right? And it was so fun because – We would go out. You weren't the rival. Nobody from 690 was the rival. We were all just buddies riding this wave, enjoying all the guys that we had gotten the opportunity. Ernie, Ernie, am I crazy, Dave? Am I crazy when I look back at that? Do you think we knew at that time how lucky we were to be that age with that group of players, Kevin Towers, Bruce Bochy, Larry Lucchino, Freddie Ullman, all that group, Theo Geffner, that whole group. You think at the moment we even knew that there was that sense of, man, this might be as good as it gets for all of us that stay in lucky enough to do it for 25 years? No.
2: And I think even at that time, and as you guys would know it, you know, a huge part of that was you had your job to do. You had to come back with so many different sound bites. These are the players. And then you'd pick up so much side work at the same time. So you just had so many tasks to do because you wanted to make that extra money. And you knew the only way you're going to make that extra money is to sort of make a name for yourself with those national uh, ESPNs, Fox Sports, the Associated Press, UPI, even back then. And the only way you were going to make a name to keep those uh, windows open was to just get the work done. So you never really, I never really thought about it. Sometimes it was a lot of work. And believe me, I had worse jobs in the sense of working, but it never really seemed like work. I mean, you're coming up with questions, the same questions that you had in mind as a kid growing up. Like, what are you going to ask this guy after that game in a situation like that? So all of a sudden, you're in that situation, and you had to make it happen. Now, that doesn't mean I was always successful. There was those questions I would just ask somebody, and they're just like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what you, we all had it. Yeah, we all had it. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think that um, – that I personally realized. I mean, I always knew the opportunity that was given, and the only way that opportunity was going to move forward was by getting your work done, and at the same time, just don't burn any burn any bridges along the way. So, but now in, in that moment, it was just about getting things done.
0: You know, when Ernie and I were doing sports radio, as he said, you worked for so many people at once. That the only way to really make any money was, as again, it was like twenty five dollars for every company yeah. is all you made, mm-hmm. and so you didn't make you know really good money doing it. But if you could get five, six, seven at at a night, all of a sudden it wasn't terrible. Plus you're covering baseball. So, I mean, it was a dream come true. And I remember, as I said, Ernie introduced me to Tony. And as a kid, you know, I've said on there a million times, Steve Garvey was my favorite player. But I remember thinking, he's getting older. I'm going to have to pick a new favorite player. Living all the way in Nashville, Tennessee, I picked Tony Gwynn as my guy, and then the fact that you introduced me to him and became friends, I can't tell you how many nights I would drive home going, I can't believe Tony Gwynn and I know each other. Yeah. I thought that was crazy, but since we talk about the whole sports radio thing, a lot of newspaper guys didn't like sports radio guys, and I can't tell you how many times Ernie and I were down in the locker room, and there'd be beat writers from the Giants or Phillies, and they would go, "You ask the question." They just yeah. put you on the spot, so you're thinking in your head, "Hey, if when it comes to me, I'm going to ask a question." But then when they say, "You ask the <laughs> yeah. first fucking question," remember that? Oh and yeah. They go, hey, "Tell you what, you, you ask the question. I'm, we aren't going to do the job for you. You 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 go ahead, go ahead and start the interview process because you never heard Ernie or my voice through the interview. They just wanted the clips of the the answers. Yeah. And then they would always try and nail you and I to oh, say. Yeah. Fuck it. You guys are, are, are basically freeloading. Let's see if you have any talent. Can ask a question to Barry Bonds.
2: And, you know, you, there are a couple of things that I think about that, Dave, is I, I think of the first game that I ever did, and um, it was the Phillies. Uh, Brad Sesmat introduced me to Tony Gwynn, and he goes, there's three people you need to meet, and Tony Gwynn was one of them, and introduced me to a couple of beat writers as well. He goes, these are the guys you need to know to sort of make it easy, you know, just try to lean on them, but do it in a subtle way, and the I was introduced to Tony. They went on a 10-day road trip, and that next series, I came out uh, to the I'd get to the ballpark early. I'd get there at two o'clock, yeah, just because I my goal was I didn't know how long I was going to be there, and I think that that's a moment that to go back to what you asked, Jeff is like, man. This I never thought I just wanted to lean on the backs, the, the batting cage. Yeah. And yeah. so I got there early and I thought I was sneaking my way through, but I had a press pass. People would let me through and I wanted to just go lean up against the the batting cage. And all I, I was so oblivious to anything that was around me. And that's when I heard Tony Gwynn like Ernie Martinez, what are you doing here so early? <laughs> and I could not believe he remembered my name yeah. from yeah. almost two weeks prior and I go, Tony, I, I just want to lean up the batting cage. He goes, Well, go do it. Yeah. I go do oh, it. Damn. You know what I can't do did that it. now at Petco. Yeah, you yeah. can do that at Jack Murphy. Yeah, yeah for sure. So. It was amazing for that. But anyway, the Phillies are in town. And, you know, that was that early 90s Phillies team led by Jim Fregosi. And my first time I walked (laughs) into the the manager's office, it was just him. So I got there before all the beat writers. And, you know, Philadelphia, they were a bunch of winners. Oh, God. I got a favorite story
1: I'm going to ask you next. It's my favorite story (laughs) about you two guys.
2: But uh, I'm sitting there, and there's Jim Fregosi sitting on a a bucket, upside down, butt naked, eating dinner. And he just thought I go and I walk around the corner, and I went like, Okay, here's Jim Fergosi. I have all his baseball cards and here I walk in, that, and that's Jim Fergosi and I go, oh, excuse me, Jim, and he just goes, oh, no, 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 come on in. He goes, what, what do you got going? <laughs> and he just starts asking. Go, I, and I'm just like, uh, you know, I, my head's up in the air, and I'm, I couldn't think of the question to ask him. Yeah, because, no shit, his dog just <laughs> hanging yeah, out. Yeah, it just, and then the next day, I walk in thinking, you know, we got this relationship going on. There's like seven beat writers in there, and I walk in, and he just goes, what the fuck do you want? Yeah. Well, and, I, and I just went i thought we were buds i'm thinking <laughs> and that's when they're the first time they just go they that all the media just got quiet they go well ask yeah. me some questions i asked a question i had a follow-up and he goes no you're done get out of here and that he was it you. and he ran me. Okay. Yeah.
1: my my favorite story with you two guys especially two guys that are family to me is <laughs> god i would have given my left thumb to be there please tell me ernie your version of the Len Dykstra story. It's the greatest, and I think a lot of people have heard Dave's version of it, but I would like to hear from you. What do you remember about Len Dykstra slash uh, John Vukovich?
2: Well, that was the world champion Phillies. Well, they weren't the champions, but they, they went to the, the World Blue Series. Yeah, in they went, yeah, they went to the World Series that year, but that was their run. And the Padres, they were a bad team. Yeah. They were a bad team. I think 50 wins or something, 60 something wins that season. And they were. I think the Padres took three of the four games that weekend, but it was the Saturday night and the Padres had just beat the Phillies. And we walk in there, David and I, and Brad Sondack was trying to get a the only person in the locker room was Lenny Dykstra. And he tells Brad, all we hear from a distance is, I don't want to fucking talk to you. And he walks right toward us. He's got a cigarette. He's in his sliding shorts. He just rips them down with his five feet from Dave and I, lifts his leg, farts in our direction, smiles, and walks into the shower with a lit cigarette. And Dave and I lost it. And that's what Greg... Uh, no, Vuk- I, but I said to you, "Go! how the fuck's he keep that cigarette yeah, lit in the yeah, shower? Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. But then uh, George Vukovic, the third base coach, walks in right after that whole thing and goes, what the fuck are you guys laughing at? And he goes, get the fuck out of here. We're just like okay like well, oh my god but that that yeah, everything by our shirts like yeah, us yeah. in the hallway. Every, yeah. everything that the phillies and the mets media that that was it was a lesson learned and something that i'll never forget oh my
0: god dude and fuck the phillies
2: yeah so, yeah. You know, well, <laughs> it, yeah it's uh it was it was it was nuts
0: man the yeah. way the way we we did it again it was hardly any money i mean right. but we love the game of baseball as Ernie said, "Being on the back of that batting cage, you know, the, the hitting turtle for people who, who understand, was great. There's so many things I learned. Mm-hmm. I mean, the things that I coach high school baseball that I learned from the back of that cage. And and Tony was so great on letting us stay in conversations. Whether Stan Musial would come to town and have a conversation, he wouldn't say, say, Ernie, get the fuck out of here.' I'm talking yeah. to Stan. He would let you listen. And he or or Ken Griffey Jr. would ask Tony questions, and you'd listen. Or Ted Williams, and you would you'd would pick up so much stuff." that I thought it was fascinating that Tony led us into a, a special world. And once you, Tony led us into the world, everyone else who was associated with Padre baseball, mm-hmm. those are Tony's guys. We got treated different because of that.
2: Yeah, you know, and I I, I think of that 1998 season, that final month down the stretch when uh, the national media started coming in droads and you, me, and uh, Jim Charvette yeah. had worked our way to where Tony Gwynn's you know, where his small cubicle was by the video room and he would have two lockers because he had so much stuff and we're sitting there and he's getting ready. He's taking his cleats off and he looks up and there could, there had to be at least 25 people stuffed in that little corner. And he looks at everybody. He goes, ah, he goes, now you guys are also believing in the San Diego Padres. He goes, where were you two months ago? He goes, Dave Pelé was here. Uh. Ernie Martinez was here. And Jim Charvette were here. Where were wow. you guys? These guys believed in us. Yeah. And that couldn't have been was one of those moments, yeah. David, where it's just like, God, it's just it was, you know, y- you make the effort and you're true to these guys. You're fair to these guys. And a moment like that doesn't define the, your career, but it has such an impact. Yeah. yeah,
1: he he was so different. And I tell this story all the time, Ernie, but you'll you'll understand this. Dave and I got blown out of KFNB in '02 in because we wouldn't break the union. They asked us to break the union. We said no, we got fired. And that got back to the Padres and Towers and Bochi and all the guys that were union guys, Tony, were... I feel like, Dave, I, I would ask you, but I feel like we already had strong relationships with those guys. But when they found out as young guys what cost us our gig, it felt like it tightened it. And you'll have an appreciation because knowing Tony like you did... He calls me at home and says, hey, what can I do? And I jokingly said, "Um, well, I guess I need a reference on my resume. And he said, do it. And I started laughing. He goes, no, do it. And so my resumes went out all over town with one reference, Tony Gwynn, eight-time batting champion, (laughs) with his home number. And I called him like six months later and I go, hey, man, I just wanted to let you know I got a job. Like, we're calling. to you yeah, yeah. And he goes, yeah, that's great. I said, you know how I got it? And he goes, no. I said, I took your name off and put my buddy who's a plumber on it. And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah. I, go, I go, nobody in this town believes I know you. And the laugh just starts. Yeah. But they believe I know some asshole plumber. So <laughs> they'll talk to him. He's calling you and he just, <laughs> but that's who he was, yeah. Ernie. And that's what, like, that's what I'm saying is for us to have those experiences. Uh, when did it, you mentioned something earlier that I want to circle back to. You said you were working at that time in 98 and everything's going on, but it didn't feel like a job. When did that change? When did it change from being kind of, you know, Xanadu to being a job?
2: I think that's when the company decided to disband 690 because everything that we had worked for and, um, you know, it was the latter half of that roster. I mean, you know, let's say there's 25 of us. They only kept three. And, you know, there weren't a lot of sports radio stations, especially in San Diego you know 1090 came around and you know it worked out but in that moment it's just like to me the the business just sort of changed at that time at, at that time and you know and also we're coming off uh, the hills of 911 uh, and that had an impact on it as well because i think as the uh, everything seemed to be soaring especially in uh, an advertise industry that you know is driven by advertising it just it just sort of changed and then they disbanded the station and all of a sudden, it was just—it was just different. The things that I had experienced, I'm sure you guys experienced at the time, because you talk about those relationships, yeah. those guys, and and those teams in '96 and '98, and and the rivalries. And to me, it was also sort of the end of the game that I remember. I mean, I've never been a big fan of interleague play. Uh, interleague play was taking precedence, and it was more and more. And then when they started the seasons by National League teams playing American League, it's just – the game was changing. So, to me, it was a lot of, bit of, a, a lot of that yeah. at, at that time. So, that's when it sort of went away from Xanadu. But, again, you know, the, to still have the opportunity to have covered the team um, up until just, you know – before this pandemic, still is nothing that I take for granted.
1: I never worked at six ninety. I was only there for a couple of days because Hal Brown couldn't figure out how to put a board schedule in. But it was right <laughs> around that time. <laughs> but but even it, from KFMB, when I was the only guy at KFMB, and it was all you guys at six ninety, we all got along. Oh yeah. And the, but the thing that I admired the most about that six ninety group that we didn't we didn't have the the cachet to do it at KFMB. Fuck, we never had it at 1360, and I don't know if maybe, Ernie, I would defer to you the early days of 1090, maybe you had it, but Dave, you worked at 690. Ernie, you were there. There was a swagger about the 690 guys that was just fucking cool. You guys were never arrogant. You were never douchebags to me, but you guys were very aware of who you were locally from the state of California and nationally, when they talked about the fan, and maybe that's credit to Lynch, maybe it's Rome, maybe it's whoever. But am I crazy on that, Ernie, that maybe that's part of what you're saying is that when that went away and they made that awful decision within Clear Channel or j to say we're not going to be 690 anymore, that station and its swagger went away, and maybe that – am I right? No, I you're, never you're, worked there.
2: No, you're totally right because that's when you – we started finding out the independent stations probably weren't going to be as relevant as as we knew it. And, you know, radio stations that were owned by one person, you know, who owned two or three stations, all of a sudden... You're getting to corporate America, you know, gobbling up all these radio stations, and, and it was much different. But you know, I, I think for me, um, just being a, a a reporter, getting sound, calling in reports, to me, that swagger came for us to have that big six ninety sign out in center field. But you were don't don't diminish your role over there, Ernie. Oh no 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 no, you're right. because
1: you were a, a prominent voice. Oh on yeah, there where it may have been, and Dave, I think you'd agree with me, Steve and Chet and Jim and mm-hmm. and all the different guys, but, man, you were a voice. John Monty I talked to yep. the other day. There were just voices that everybody came in, everybody had their role on that station,
2: and it was really cool. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and, and in no way did I feel like my role was lessened, but I think my swagger would be every time I walked in that ballpark, and you saw like the six ninety sign out in Centerfield. Yeah. To me that was like the Superman logo. It's like yeah. we have a presence. We have a presence in this in this city. And everybody who's coming to this ballpark tonight is going to have an idea who that station is and who we were.
0: It's funny when you mention some of the names, not even the guy people who had shows like Jeff is saying, but I mean, even Nicole Pearson, you right. know. Uh Genie Zelasco, Joe yeah. Tatino. I mean, there were yeah. voices on there of people that didn't have shows yet you knew who they were. I, yeah. I, I credit a lot of that honestly to Chet and Steve. Mm-hmm. You know, they they brought those personalities out yep. to make you know make it feel like everybody was part of that team because in reality they're only really about three shows. But for those guys to sit there and always talk about the people like you Ernie, um, it, it was. It, it was something they didn't have to do that was kind of cool. When you look at the different personalities at that station, I mean everyone knows, you know Steve and Chet and knows Axaw and uh, you know, I was there when R- Rome, before he went national, and so were you, and then he went national and basically told everybody, lose my number. <laughs> yeah, you were yeah, lucky to once yeah. have known me, you turned into the biggest <laughs> asshole in the world. Remember that? That was like oh, a yeah. shock to all oh, of yeah. us. But um, for you and the big personalities of that people know,
2: how did they treat you? Everybody was fantastic. They really were. I mean, even when Berger and Prescott, who we yep. grew up listening to, they auditioned, or they were at 91X, and they came over for a few weeks over and did the morning show. Uh, Dean and Jones, who I'd grown oh, yeah. up with, they were there for a short stint for a week, and I happened to be working mornings that week, and to have worked with them was tremendous. But even it's the outside voices, uh, as you mentioned, just the voices. I mean, Jim Brown did a Sunday night show. Yeah. Uh, with Brian Kilmead, who is now in yeah. you know, a major network now, and uh, Marty Milner, one out <laughs> of right? 12. He would do the, you know, with, yeah, with uh, Pete, Pete Grace, And so there was just a lot of different personalities there that really f- made you feel like, man, you know, you made it. You're working with some big-time names here.
1: Art Bell was there, different Art, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, that might have been before you guys. Ernie, I want to ask you about one night in particular because you just talked about, you know when you made it. And and I wonder, because for me, you were a part of it. You were a part of it, and I, I was joking about this the other day, and, and Ernie and I and Dave were laughing about this before we went on. We we all have been incredibly fortunate to have friendships with Bruce Bochy, yeah. who, by the way, told me last week he's in San Francisco for two weeks, but he'll be the next guy in that chair. And nice. Josh Lewin coming up, too. But we had a situation where we had gone – to Dodger Stadium. It was you, me, and I'll leave the third person's name out out of respect <laughs> to that person because I don't know if they they want this. Not that anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we were just having fun. So we go to Dodger Stadium. We go to this Padre game, and we end up back at the downtown Marriott. I think they the the Padres are staying at the downtown Marriott, and me, Ernie, and this third friend of ours end up in Bochi's suite, and we're sitting there and. <laughs> There's scouting reports written by Jeff Gardner everywhere. <laughs> and and Boach says to you and me, well, Ernie, how am I going to play this thing tomorrow? <laughs> and you and I are looking at scouting reports, and he's acting like we should know what the fuck we're looking at. We're sitting there drinking Coors Light like we always did with Boach. Yeah. And, you're, and you and I were laughing our ass off. We're just sitting there reading it. And Ernie, I just wonder, for me, that's when I look back at and I go, Nobody's living this life like we don't like I was lucky to travel and see some shit. But as a sports fan, we go, I'm reading Jeff Gardner's scouting report on this Dodger team. This is insane for you outside of that one. Was there another time? Maybe you mentioned it, the the Gwynn home run or something else. Was there a time when you look down at that credential and you go, dude, this is pretty special?
2: Yeah. And I was thinking actually that moment just crossed earlier today, but. To go back, remember we, we were invited up there with Bochi. And for me, that uh, that game, I'm sitting with that third person, yeah. and we're in the Dodgers uh, dining room, and we're sitting there. And Vince Scully walks by and notices the third party. And he goes, and they start having a conversation. He goes, Do you mind if I sit here and have dinner with you guys? And I'm just going, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so we sat there, had dinner with Vince Scully. We watch the game. We go to the uh, bar at the hotel, and we're sitting there, and we see Boach, and he, he goes, hey, man, he goes, I'd really love to hang out with you here. You guys want to go up? He goes, because that night that Trevor Hoffman was going to be on ESPN with uh, – uh, Roy Firestone. Roy Firestone, and and right. Boch wanted to see it, so we went up there to see went up there to see the interview uh, with Trevor with Roy Firestone, and that's how we were able to move our way into the room up there that <laughs> nice. night. Yeah. yeah, I got in a fight in that bar. Did you? Yeah, it sure did. do not surprise me. <laughs> Jerry,
0: Jerry <laughs> Doggett. And, uh, Jerry Doggett. All I'm gonna say is I don't know if I've even said this on the air, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the person I got in a fight with, but it was a Padre player. And I had to get the hell out of that bar. And I remember guys on the pods were saying, get the fuck out of here. And I was thinking, I'm going to get fired for fighting a Padre player because I'm supposed to be covering this yeah. fucking team. And I go run into my car. And I was literally parked in my car, man, I think for seven minutes. And I said, give me the keys to my car as this guy is being held back by his teammates still trying to get to me. <laughs> and the guy goes, 28 bucks," And I'm like, I don't have 28 fucking dollars on me. <laughs> and I, I go, dude, I'll be here all weekend. He goes, what's your name? I go, Ruben Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> and it gave me the keys to my Alexia shitty, Marisa. yeah, gave me my keys to my shitty car, and I fucking got out of there. But I was like, I can't believe
2: this shit. Oh, we can believe it. Yeah, well, I know. You- <laughs> you but believe but it. to answer your question, the moment I had was I went to uh, the second year. Uh, the Do- uh, the Padres went to St. Louis in '06. The oh, plan. Yeah, uh, I was with uh, Darren Smith and Marty Caswell. We went to St. Louis, and. Um, they won the game and they said and as we were we went out to dinner and we were with two guys from Major League Baseball who were there who set up the post-game interviews and we got to know them. So we're having dinner, we had this a lot, we had this big dinner, alcohols flowing, and bottles of wine just show up on the table. We all look like, we didn't order these. And they go, Yeah, the gentleman over there did Once again, Bruce Bochi. And okay. he just like waves us, and then he came over and said bye before he left. And and I started looking at my budget like, okay, this is a lot of food, a lot of booze. Yeah. How much do I have enough to, to take care of this? And one of the guys says, don't worry about it, guys. Uncle Bud will be taking care of it. So Bud League bought us dinner that night. Really? Paid for the everything. It was on the Major League Baseball. I don't know wow. if I can say it. But he well, – who cares? It's a Dave and yeah. Jeff podcast. <laughs> Anything <laughs> can be said on this thing. but um, And then they win the game, and that was the game that Chris Young – one that would yeah. be the last playoff game I mean, they and it got to the point where the padres say well they were trying to find us a flight home we ended up getting on the plane with the padres and flying flying home with wow. the, and i sat me i remember walking in there and they had these huge sandwiches the big bags of chips the big things of soda yeah and i'm thinking well i, I haven't eaten dinner today so i grab it and i eat it and they come back like the plane gets up in the air And they give you five choices for, like, a five-course meal. Unbelievable. And then I'm sitting behind uh, Chris Young on this flight, and he has his computer open, and he's looking at his things, and everybody's walking by, and they go, what are you doing? What are you doing? He goes, I'm not going to be in baseball forever. I'm working on my career after baseball. And I just thought that was really impressive. Not only did he stick around and help when the Royals won a World Series in another crucial outing, I mean – he became a major league baseball executive. And now he's with the Texas he's a Texas so Rangers. He's a yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking. He was in
0: baseball forever. He doesn't know shit. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he was working. I mean, to me, I always feel like that's, that's what he was working for to where he's at now. So to me, that was one of those moments like. like on a team flight? On a team Come flight. On. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, Beautiful. That is, that's something else. So yeah. when you go back and you're looking at it, as you said, he had time to think a little bit about this, this road through radio. And Jeff and I do this all the time on the, yeah. our show. When you, when you look back at it, what was the best, what was the worst part of this road? Uh,
2: the best part, honestly, and I said this on the way out on Friday, is um, honestly, it is, is have been able to meet the people I have in this business. I I, I swear to God, and I mean that, I mean from you guys to, to Marilyn Hyder to Steve Hartman, Ben Fletcher, you know, all those guys that I worked with on the way out. Um, over the last years, over, I mean, 33 years at at the professional level in this business and um, to have worked with them. And and the the crappy part of it is all the BS that, you know, that sort of just sort of leads up to, you know, decisions you have to make. It's just like, you know, why couldn't this have been better? You sort of have to reflect on yourself. But then again, it's just sort of the nature of the business. And I was even having this discussion with Marilyn. I go, you know, it's amazing that we are where we're at And a business that's so fun and we all worked very hard to get in it. We just, we wanted, you just wanted to be treated fairly in a sense. And those moments just seem to fall short more often. Am I bitter? No, it's just, it's the reality of an industry, which to me in this day and age is like some of that stuff still goes on. You know, that's why I find it tremendous for you. I mean, the podcast, you guys were among the first people to jump on a podcast and you guys have done fantastic. You guys can sit here and talk about whatever the hell you want to, you know, nobody's telling you what to talk about. It's just two guys that your listeners and this San Diego audience knows that have been around. They know this city. They love you guys. They love to hate you sometimes when you're (laughs) starting to go on about the Dodgers, but I love it because you, you always keep it fresh, but To me, that's what I find tremendous about how people have gotten creative. And, you know, that's the goal for me. People say, like, what's next? I said, I don't know. I really wasn't planning on giving my two weeks notice two weeks ago. You know, it was just a situation that there was no second doubt. Like, my family comes first. And um, I really don't know. But I tell you what. It's been, I've been very overwhelmed over the last three days for the people who have reached out. And you mentioned Trevor Hoffman. I mean, too, I had no idea what show that Hartman and Fletch had put together that day. And um, to have the people call up. I mean, you got Mud Grant on there. I've been trying to get Mud on their show for years. (laughs) But they said, well, you should have quit a few years ago. We would have had him (laughs) on the show back then. But just to hear those guys, and I had run into Mark a couple of weeks prior to that. We chatted. And not knowing, you know, I hadn't made a decision at that time, but uh, it was just tremendous to, to get that from these people. And so many people have reached out, talked to Dave Marcus today and everybody, obviously, I mean, that's when you sort of feel like, wow, you know, you got to know some people. You, you, you've really found some genuine people and you really don't think about that all the time, but it's nice when you can take a step back and you find the genuineness of, of of those people that are around you on a day-to-day basis.
1: Dude, I love Ernie, and it's been so fun personally for the last couple of days because I just put a, a couple of things up, but, but my Facebook is really just friends and family, and a lot of them are just radio people, and so they were a lot of people that you have crossed paths with in those 30 years, and I, I remember a couple of years ago, My sons were playing T-Ball, and we got Ernie a couple of pictures, and he said to me, hey, I'm messing around with this new program. Get me a couple of pictures, and he made rookie cards of my sons when they were like five. Well, now they're 13, and everything's different, but the other day, I found the pictures from these cards, the front and back, and Jack wants to be a Zamboni driver, all these (laughs) great things. (laughs) <laughs> and and it was so great because I love them. I said it sincerely. It's one of the coolest things anybody's ever done for me, and I, I love them to this day. And I still have them. But what was really fun was all of our friends that came out to pay tribute to you. And yeah. I, I was like, this is so cool oh, because I, yeah. I get to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. When we left in 2016, and the one thing is that that I I've talked a lot about those two years because I I don't know maybe people have heard. I hated our management team. I thought <laughs> our management team was gutless. I think he's a pussy. I think he's a fucking liar. And and I think, I hope he understands, because I knew him a long time. And jobs change. I have no axe to grind with Dave Sniff. I have no axe to grind with Don Martin at Fox. Um, Pete Schwartz at, at CBS. That's not it at all. This job here, like I said. But if you bullshit me, fuck you. Until you apologize. But, or, and if you say, hey, you know what? I fucked you over. Then we're done. But, but what was so great about that time was you were there. Herm was there. And the raccoon was there.
2: Yes, the raccoon.
1: We had a show of five. And every, <laughs> and every day I would come in and see you guys. But I knew at the end of 2016, I, I had said to Dave a couple of different times. I think I said it to you. Or I said it to Herm. Fuck, I had friends dying every seven days. And I'm like, I'm just quitting. I can't do this. I can't talk chargers right now. And you guys were so great. The agent was great. And said, just don't. Just let it play out. And we did. But what I did, Ernie, every day at the end, and I felt like I did it on that last day, was I came in and I took everything in. I felt like I had an appreciation for knowing that if today's the last day, and when it was, I was like, I'm completely cool. Let yep. this be Steve Woods and, and and Ben's time or anybody else's time, right? I love what we did. I love that we had the the Bochy and Towers and Junior experience. And that's why today I'm completely at peace with it. There's never any part. To me, it sounds like, Ernie, a very long-winded intro. It feels like you're at peace with the decision. Did you have that opportunity over those last two weeks to just say, hey, I'm going to take it in, I'm, even though I'm coming here at 4 in the morning, did you have that opportunity to celebrate what you've accomplished and also understand Yeah, I could put a bow on this walk away. I mean, shit, man. Walking out with that Trevor Hoffman interview, that's yeah. not a bad way to put a bow on it.
2: No, and I did. I and you know, I I did another thing that uh for me personally at, at that level, um I just felt like every day more and more was being lifted off me. Yeah. And um and it, you know, and you know, when your son who is five and six years of age, seven years, he's eight years old, but he has said on a few occasions, back to when I was five, when I'd walk in, and there are things that I missed. And you know, granted, it's a job you sort of do it, but you know, you reflect back on that. And I remember him always meeting, greeting me at the door because I'd, I'd be coming in late just before they had to go to bed, and he'd walk up and he would just hug me and goes, "Dad, I wish you didn't have to work so late." or you mm. didn't have to work these hours, but you do it because you, you have to. But that's when it started, you know, you start thinking about things. And then when more and more things are asked of you, you sort of say, okay, how much more can you do? And you, you try to, it was a balancing act, just like anything like, okay, yeah. you still got to do this. There's benefits involved. There's my wife. She's not, you know, there's a daughter, everything. They all plan to it. it. My decision is their decision. And but those last every day that down the stretch, more and more um, was being lifted off my my shoulders. And like I said, when I woke up this morning, I was at peace. Yeah. I really was. and I was, I was when I, I, I turned the mic off, and there are probably some things that I, I wouldn't have said four years ago because you're always afraid of like saying the wrong thing or at least I was. you're always especially in this business, it's like just don't say the wrong thing. And uh, it's not like I didn't care. What I was going to say it was more, I felt more comfortable because I go, this is who you are. This is who you are.
0: You start to realize, at least for me, I'll, I'll speak for myself about what reality is. I mean, all of us have been through the situation with the kids. I remember in, there was a part of my life where radio was more important to me than my family. You know what I mean? When my kids were really young and I was newly married. And for me, where I was going to go in my radio career was by far the most important thing going on. In 2004, I was covering the NBA Finals, and I loved the Lakers, and I remember Josh had a Little League Baseball game, and I was missing it watching the Lakers and Pistons, and I remember thinking, I'd rather be at the baseball game than be at the NBA Finals, and that was a huge change for me, and then I remember as the years went on a couple years later, as Jake was getting older, that people would always be nice enough to stop you, to say, I love what you guys do on the show, or you make me laugh, or you always love hearing the compliments. But then Jake would always grab my hand and say, this is my time with you. Yeah. You know, uh, we got to go. This is my time. And he would get really upset that people would try and take dad time from him. Yeah. And you start to realize, hey, th- this is what's important. You know, when, when it's all said and done, these people aren't going to be – with you when you're you know on your deathbed it's going to be you you know your kids and your relationships and the things that you've done jeff spends a lot of time on our show talking about what he did this past weekend with his boys the memories that he's going to have for as long as he has them until they graduate high school i mean i don't know jeff and i haven't had this conversation but i remember when my kids were jeff's kids age i used to think i have four years left you know i'd do the countdown four years left and then boom they're they're gone and then You go. How much am I going to make out of the next four years? Those—that's what was important. So when you say you woke up with you know peace of mind, and now that you can give Henry the time he deserves on that baseball field or whatever your interest is with him, and good for you—you're doing the right thing.
2: You know, and it, it was—and I haven't said this, but you know, it was—you—you um, you never really—and you hear this all the time—is be careful what you say in front of your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're, you and your significant other their mom is having a discussion and you lose sight of that from time to time, but they're listening and you don't mm-hmm. think they're listening because you know, they're watching Scooby-Doo reruns or they're upstairs, but may they may be on the stairs listening, but you know, it was when, um, I, I, I came home and my kids out, you know, I was in how was school today and I got home two weeks the day I, I, I gave my, my notice and I got home. My daughter goes, so i was work today i go i gave my two weeks notice and she goes what you're retiring <laughs> and i went no i said i'm not retiring i go i got a lot of work left to me and then i went over and i saw henry and he goes the same thing hey dad i was work today and i just go um i gave my two weeks notice he goes what does that mean i said i only have two more weeks and i'm and i'm i'm not gonna work at the radio station anymore and he just goes uh, and he gave me the biggest hug. And um, mm. he just goes, you don't have to work for those people anymore. Good. And it, it's just because it. uh, yeah. Christina and I had these conversations for, for many years. She just goes, things just don't seem to be fair. And yeah. like I said, you, we put ourselves in that situation because it's that drive we, we, we have. Yeah. And you want to be successful, especially when you've put so much time into it. And then you get that and you just know it was the right decision because as you said and as everybody in that radio station all just said you're doing the right thing you know it sucks that you're leaving but it was the right thing and it's not that they had to reassure me i just i already had reassured myself and those kids and my wife uh made it known
1: what what people don't understand when you drive around and there's there's people that go i could do this job right and and all right yeah maybe you could but we were lucky enough to do it yeah but But what what I I, and listen, it's it happens in every job, no matter what. What people don't see is they hear the laughing and the fun and the travel and you see all these things, What you don't understand. and, And maybe you don't need to, but we get it is the mind games that are constantly played by bullshit management people. And they do it with everybody behind the scenes. And it is such a toxic relationship and I don't know why they do it. I don't know why there can't be just an appreciation like there is. It feels like in every other job that people have where they go to work and their boss says, how are you? And I'm glad you're here. It's funny. I manage a team of five guys. I tell them, I try to tell them every day how much I appreciate them. I try to tell them because I've worked for guys that we didn't need it, but they don't need to make it as toxic as they did. And that's the only thing. Uh, Out of my my respect, and I know Dave feels the same way, out of our respect and our love for Ernie, who's family to us, we're not going to go into the path as to why he left. He made a decision to leave. But when a guy who's done it at that level for that length of time in an industry where that doesn't happen, when a guy like Ernie, you know me, I'm a hothead, right? (laughs) Dave's a hothead. When the nicest guy in our industry locally says, you know what? That's it. Yeah. And doesn't have a night meeting to go to at the big box store in San Marcos. <laughs> doesn't have a fucking job lined up at K-Earth to bring back the real art gold. I, I would just challenge anybody in that building to say, what am I doing when I let a guy like this say, David, Jeff, fuck it. Right? Judd, Costa, anybody, else, Hardwick, anybody else who saw L.O., Everybody else who's left there, figure it out. You can come to grips. What I would love to hear the people that let you walk out that building and to this moment refuse to acknowledge that they played a part in it, it's mind-blowing to me. All I know is you know to us your family. Yeah. You know how much fun we had in those mornings when it was the four of us <laughs> against the world. Yeah. Nobody could hear that stupid show. We'd be fucked with. And and you mentioned it, Ern. We come in here. Remember, we'd sit there and write that stupid bullshit Google Doc every night. <laughs> yes. Do you see anything in front of us? We just come down and had a conversation with yeah. a guy that means so much to us. But I'm telling you, I'm so proud of you for what you've accomplished in this industry, for who you've been the entire time. Right, Dave? There's a 100%. reason why Trevor Hoffman takes time out to call in to you. Take that all in. But for right now, the the bad part is that is your life's going to change because not many people have schedules where we're done at 9:30 in the morning so i would say enjoy that time with your family and oh, your yeah. kids pack lunches go to the park throw the football dress up as spider-man or whatever they love to do and then just get ready i want you at upper deck i already told you yeah i called him the other day and said Good. listen a lot of people are going to call you and go well what are you going to do now you go what well, fuck two weeks ago i didn't know i was quitting <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly so well, i called him and said i want you at upper deck take a look if it's something there we'll make something happen but I uh, I just man appreciate the ride that you had Ernie cuz not many oh, yeah. people
2: have had that ride and you deserve it bro. I, I appreciate yeah, it. Well, you know and you know and I and you know when it comes to management and radio, you know, and it just sort of it's disheartening and I get it. You know, you don't want to be soft and it, I guess it's part of the industry and it is because it it's the past. But you know when certain employees are referred to as worker bees, okay, okay yeah. why why doesn't a worker bee get to be um treated like respect somebody else why do i have to be referred to as a worker bee or why is it when it just comes down to it when you're you just want what's best for yourself yeah which is respect. what's best for your family and the phrase is always well if you don't like it then go find a job yeah. someplace else I, to me it's just like it's a shit. slap on the face for everything and just like you said jeff just open communication just because you communicate you 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 could be honest doesn't mean that you that something has to happen i think we all respect that when people are more open and honest with one another that you're everything's better for it
1: yeah
0: you know for uh you know before we we, we wrap it up and we'll we'll give you that we'll give you the last word on this but our last year working together with you in 2016 was it was a terrible year. I mean, not with you, but with Jeff and I personally. You know, Jeff, the one thing about doing morning radio is you can't ever have a bad day. Because people are tuning in for you to start their day. They don't yeah. want to hear you saying you're having a bad day. But all of us go through bad days, no matter who you are. Jeff's best friend was dying. You yeah. know, Jeff was driving 150 miles every day to go be with him and then coming back doing a show and would work till 12 o'clock at night with me yeah. and try and put that stupid Google Docs thing together. <laughs> and then we'd show up in the morning and Jeff would tell us, I'm getting the fuck out of here, I'm leaving. And <laughs> yeah. Ernie and Herm and I would look at each other go, what the fuck are we going to do if Jeff leaves? And um, <laughs> But then, you know, I'm dealing with Jake who had attempted yep. to, to commit suicide twice that year. And my mother-in-law was dying and she was living in my house. And we we were going through terrible times. And I'm sure it wasn't easy for you to, to deal with us and Herm to deal with us, but... We looked at each other, and when we made the decision to leave and people say, we'll say something, you know, oh, you guys do a podcast, Jeff and I have not applied for another radio job since. I mean, it's not one of those where we're looking to yeah. jump back and be part of that management. Not saying that we need to be appreciated, but we're to the point we've done a lot yeah. where we want to do things on our terms. Um, but we haven't missed the business like that. I will say this about Ernie. As far as when we say he's the best guy we know, 100%, I've said that for years, not just here, we've, we've always said that. One thing Ernie does that doesn't get a lot of recognition, but if you ever watch it in person, you walk away with tears in your eyes. He gives uh, so much time to the Miracle League. And uh, actually, I'd like you to, to talk about it. I know Josh has gone and... Yeah. And watched you work, and and I've been lucky enough to do stuff. I think he had me on a, on a team with Dave Roberts, who ended yes, up being a pretty home, successful yeah. manager. You son of um, a bitch, son of a Watch bitch, your dirty mouth. And uh, it was the only
2: time that Philip Rivers came. Yeah, Philip R- Rivers showed Trevor up. Hoffman there. Trevor there. Hoffman was there. Mike Mark Sweeney. Sweeney, was yeah. there. Mark, Mark and Mike. Mike, Mark and Mike yeah. were there. Yeah, I know.
0: There goes that old joke, as Ernie used to throw to me all the time. <laughs> you ever see Mark Sweeney? <laughs> And I'd go, yeah, I've seen Mark Sweeney. You've seen Mark Swinney? Like in third grade? <laughs> what?
2: And now we had Mike. I played I that on Doc Shilasdick. I'll throw yeah. it. Yeah, Mike. He would always We had
0: Mike and Mark there at the same time, and Ernie was on cloud nine. His jokes <laughs> came together in one perfect world. Um, but, 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 yeah, I do want you to talk about the Miracle League because I think what you do with two little kids and all the time that you put in helping Jeff and I sound great on there all those years, it was amazing to watch you give eight, ten hours every Saturday to these kids,
2: you know, first, and, and I, yeah, I appreciate you mentioning the miracle league of San Diego, but you know, and for you guys, you talk about, you can't have bad days, uh, especially in radio in general, but in mornings, like you said, cause you guys started the day and I had no idea the things that you were really going through at that time, because oh, you yeah. guys, you guys shielded it really good. You guys continue to be who you were you guys would mention things, but I didn't know personally how bad things were. And I think that's also a good reminder that, you know, to to keep that communication alive because you never know when somebody really needs to just say something. So, I, I mean, for you guys to to get through that, and I know it's, it's always ongoing for things like that. It, it was tremendous to have you guys still go there and do a morning show dealing with what was going on. In the building, but at the same time with what you guys had. And those were, those are times that, that to me was my golden age in radio, 33 years and then having the opportunity to work with and Hartman shortly after. I mean, I laughed for, I mean, for four years, I, I just, I mean the things that happened off the air behind yeah. the scenes that things people didn't know, or I, I would just lie la- I'd be crying laughing so hard. And then you throw Herman the mix. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the Miracle League of San Diego, where they're starting to get there, they're going to have their fall league finally get back after the pandemic and it's going to be a lot of fun. These uh the kids that I they were kids a couple of years ago, they're going to be adults now. You know, but there's going to wow. be a bunch of new players coming in and I I, I can't Wait, I look forward to the opportunity of going out to San Diego Field there in Rancho Santa Fe and seeing uh, the families and these kids and and everybody um, that just makes the Miracle League of San Diego what it is. And to have Trevor Hoffman call and mention that he's on the board, All those guys, the things that they give, um, you know, physically and uh, financially, the things that they do for that organization is tremendous. So everybody does a part. It's one of the reminders where. Uh, Parents who are dealing with a lot of things that we could never imagine, you know, for one hour, they get to sit back and watch people watch their kids play a sport. And it gives them an hour downtime because they're the ones who have the work cut out for them seven days a week, you know, so to be able to to help out in any. And it's fun for me. And uh, so, yeah, thanks again. I, I look forward to those days coming back.
1: Well, people remember him from his spread in Sports Illustrated, yes. where, where he and a stunned Jim Stone yeah. looked up at Big Buff Mark McGuire.
2: <laughs> Wait, what quick thing about
1: that—do you remember what that? Oh, is? oh yeah, How yeah. crazy
2: was that? Oh yeah, I still, I still have it. I mean, the cool thing about that is they refer to me as the reporter who lobbed the lollipop question. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Was that Perducci? No, it was, it was the redhead guy with the red beard. And I forget his name, but I still have the article. But Lee Montville? Nah, it wasn't Lee. I forget his name. But uh, he didn't know where the interview. I said, well, follow me. I know where you're going. I'm going to go interview Mark McGuire, too, because he would only do interviews at the beginning of the series. And we're sitting there, and all the reporters. And it was still reporters were afraid to ask the question about McGuire. Right. So,
1: Hang on, Ernie, not to interrupt. Is that when the Anderol, was that right around that time when it was seen in his locker did that happen in San Diego Yeah, games? It, did. It,
2: did, it did happen in San Diego, but I don't know if they, because the only kid back then it was already interleague play, so those teams were only coming in once a time. So it could have been.
1: But he was with St. Louis at that time. He so was a single, yeah, yeah. So he's National League. Yeah,
2: yeah. But even then, after once the interleague play, oh, actually there weren't so many interleague games. So the Midwest teams, I think, were still coming in twice a year. Yeah. So you may be right. But uh, everybody was just sort of meandering around, ready waiting to ask a question, and I said. And I had seen them beat the Dodgers the day before on a final play at the plate. And I said, hey, so, Mark, you guys are hitting the road on a good note. You guys got that win in the ninth inning against the Dodgers. And he just looks at me and he goes, this isn't about you guys asking me questions about the team. This is you guys asking questions about me and this home run race that's getting going. And that's when everybody just... Boom. And the guy in the article goes, yeah, some reporter loves him a lollipop question about the team. And he goes, this isn't about the team. This is about me and the home run chase. They hey, that was me. I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm the reporter. Who the and there, there I am in the corner in the picture right there standing next to Mark McGuire. And Stoney. And Stoney was right there in the front with, uh, um, I'm having a brain fart, the guy from KSI. Oh, who? A uh, sports guy. He does news now. Oh, uh, oh, Paul Rudy? Paul Rudy, but he has his head down. He's looking down. If he had not been looking at his camera, yeah. he would have had a nice facial shot as well. There you but go. Oh, my gosh. Ernie, well, well, we,
0: obviously, we love you very much. Love you, man. Yeah. This has been, been fun, yeah. San Diego loves Appreciate you and loves Adam. your family yeah. and everybody's cheering Thank you very for much, you. yeah.
2: And thank you, everybody out there, uh, for the overwhelming support. Uh, I, I can't tell you how tremendous it has been.
0: That's awesome, It's man.
1: the most relaxed you've sounded in... Five years. Yeah, I'm not kidding. When <laughs> no,
2: I tell you yeah, that. I, in, I, I'm being honest with you. I I feel very relaxed and uh, I feel very good. Uh, and I got to make those sack lunches today. As a matter of fact, it's the best, yeah. dude. I'm <laughs> yeah.
1: telling you, Ernie, it's the best. Yeah. embrace every moment. Embrace those kids and that wife of yours, brother. Yeah, great m- things are ahead for Ernie Martinez. That. We'll
0: keep you in the loop. Thank you. All right, that was awesome having uh, having Ernie in here. We just said goodbye to Ernie, and we'll uh, we'll wrap up the rest of the show. But um, a lot of fun. I'm glad uh, we were able to, to see a really close friend for both you and I, and it means a lot to us that he was nice enough to come in sh- so short after ending his radio career at, at 1360.
1: I thought he looked great. I thought he yep. sounded relaxed. I don't think Ernie ever wanted to be a talk show host, right? He, and no. They, and they had him doing so many different things. But uh, I'm, I'm really proud of him, and it, he's just one of those guys, Dave. I, I think we're all, no matter who hears this, if you go, hey, tell me two or three people that just make you a better person for knowing them, dude, that's at the top of so many of our lists, man. I love that
0: guy. Absolutely. Hey, want to mention Dan Williams. Again, Dan's the guy that wants to help you get out of debt. So many of you right now are in that financial problem where you've been in debt really probably since you got out of college because so many people are worried about student loans and buying a first house and... Are you going to make enough money? And if you know you live in California, how tough it is to really have a really good quality of life, Dan's the guy you need to talk to. We tell you all the time, the the Bar Smart 2 Minute Tuesday, which obviously by the time most of you hear this, it will be Tuesday, 858-688-6813. Check it out on YouTube, Bar Smart 2 Minute Tuesday, Dan Williams, 858-688-6813.
1: Dan's got a great video up right now. If you're going through a divorce, can you buy a house? Uh, You might be surprised by the answer. Check that one out. And yeah, for me, the borrow smart, repay smart rules came in so handy because a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned it, man. My car got totaled on the 54. I had to find myself trying to buy a car in an insane car market. As crazy as the housing market is, I think the used car and the new car market is right behind it. But luckily, because I had followed the rules and had established strong credit for myself, I was able to get into a car I love at a payment I can afford. If you need that, 858-688-6813.
0: Jeff just mentioned the housing market. Right now, it is unbelievable what's going on in Southern California. So many of you are trying to figure out, is there a way for me to sell my home and possibly rent somewhere? Well, you're going to realize quickly how expensive it is to rent. And can you find a place? A friend of mine just actually got out of their house And then realized there's nowhere to go and they ended up settling for being in a really nice house and the house they moved into bars on the window horrible neighborhood to the point you don't feel safe don't find yourself in that situation where you think you can do it on your own go to a professional go to the one that does it better than anyone else it's brian curry and it's funny these same people who i said brian curry is the person you need to talk to from the very beginning said it, we should have called Brian Curry. Don't yeah. be that person that says, man, Dave and Jeff gave me the answer to the test and I didn't fucking listen. Brian's your guy. He's been doing this for more than 25 years in San Diego. He can find you the perfect neighborhood to move to. And at the same time, you don't want anyone else selling your house. He'll get you the most value for it. 619-251-1588. 619-251-1588.
1: So I, uh, I sent my ex a text message the other day. I said, hey, I'm going to buy a house in uh, Coronado yeah i said uh pretty excited um i said i may need you to co-sign on the documents but don't sweat it i'll make the payments every month so then i just left it there for about two three minutes and then i sent her um the link that crown manor which is right on ocean boulevard it's the house where bill clinton stayed the house that used to be owned by the Lawrence family who owned the Hotel Dell or owned the Hotel Dell is currently for sale for $34 million. <laughs> right next to where Pete lives. Right. Yeah. Mayor Pete. So she calls me and she's dying laughing because she's like, I know things are going good, but I was like, God damn, where's he going in Coronado? That's pretty cool. She goes, she goes, I don't usually fall for your dumb jokes. <laughs> she goes, you got me 100%. I said, well, I'm excited. We're going to go in and offer 168000 and see if they take the deal. They may want that $34 million, but we'll see what ends up happening. But Dave mentioned it. Right now in the housing market, $875,000 is the median house price in this shithole town. God damn! how do we afford that? And like we say... You go, oh, my gosh, I have so much equity in my property, i got to jump out. Well, Dave just said it. You jump out, but where are you going to go? The guy who can help you on all those answers is the one and only Brian Curry. Give him a call. Do it tonight. Tell him Dave and Jeff sent you.
0: If you realize just what we told you also, it's amazing how great we are at this. Now is the time to get that pool. We told you a year ago, you better call Alan Taylor and Taylor made pools. I talked to a person yesterday who said to me they're trying to get a brand new pool in. They said the waiting list is more than two and a half years. Jesus. For them to even start. Look, Alan Taylor is your guy. You got to get on his calendar. Things are going great for Alan, too. But at the same time, you want the best in the business. When it's a finished product, do you have that pool in that backyard looking the way you want it to be? Alan Taylor is a guy. He tells you right now, you can turn your backyard into a staycation. Make sure you call Alan Taylor at Taylor May Pools, 619 449. 44526194494452.
1: All right, trying to pick my favorite Tailor Made pool, it's like trying to pick your favorite kid or what's the greatest dog you had in your life, right? You go, "I love them all. They're awesome." That one that we saw the other day that came across our social media. You see that? Where the bench was built in. Yes. Is insanely cool. Yes. You go, "That is unbelievable." Like L.A. Magazine, right? People Magazine, where you go, dude, where is that pool at? Some very cool place. And it's right here in San Diego, and it was done by TaylorMade Pools. Man, I cannot emphasize enough. Now, more and more people are saying the same. We're going to open up on June 15th, but I don't know how many people are going to completely embrace it. You saw Phil Mickelson yesterday walking down the uh, fairway at eighteen. Some random dude just reaches out and grabs him around the neck. We're like, holy cow, I heard Steve say it today. Yeah, I don't know that we're ready yet. We've been kind of in our uh, (laughs) cubbyhole for a while. We kind of lost it. We're all a bunch of baby gorillas. So, yeah, if you don't want to deal with people, you just want to hang out in the backyard, nothing better to to have there with you than a brand-new tailor-made pool.
0: And finally, don't forget about the website, because right now so many people are trying to figure out a way to make a little bit of money. At the same time, if it's not a full-time job if it's something you want to do as a, as a side gig, you have to have that website that works. Kyle Pfluger is the person to talk to. He can design it for you, get it going the way you need it to go to make money uh, to the best of its ability. 619-500-6621, 619-500-6621.
1: Can't say it enough. There is such a difference between a website that works for you and a website that doesn't. We've all gone through it, right? Whether you're trying to make a purchase for yourself, maybe you're trying to send a gift to a friend uh, across uh, the country or maybe in another country, and you just cannot do it. It is so incredibly frustrating that you just say, forget it. I'll probably never come back. Well, don't let your customers say the same thing. Make sure you have the website that they're telling all their friends about. If they're not, it's a simple fix. Give Kyle a call. Tell him Dave and Jeff sent you. All
0: right, here we go. We're going to knock these out. May 24th. How old are they and how much are they worth? A few of these guys you like a lot. Okay. We'll start off first with Bob Dylan.
1: Yeah,
0: he's not one of the guys I thought you would like a lot.
1: No. <laughs>
0: yeah. Most overrated, over, right?
1: Overrated. God damn, we have so many good people from Minnesota. Uh, we don't need that asshole. Save it. Oh, my God. Haven't you heard Wagon Wheel? He fucking wrote it, dude. I think Darius Rucker wrote that. Get your shit together before you shoot your mouth off. <laughs> right now, Woods is just in his basement burning incense, probably listening to fucking like a Rolling Stone because he's a dick. Uh, Bob Dylan tonight is seventy-eight years old, and I'm going to say he's worth uh, two hundred million.
0: You got half of it right. Which one do you think you got right?
1: I think I got the seventy-eight right.
0: No, you didn't.
1: $200 million? He's
0: worth $200 million. He's 80 years old.
1: Wow. Well, that's
0: good. Yes.
1: Seems like a nice enough
0: guy. Here's one that we uh, we had on the show. Okay. Tommy Chong.
1: Tommy Chong was, uh, God damn, were those two guys cool as could be? Yes. I love Tommy Chong. I'm going to say Tommy Chong is 78, and I'm going to say he's worth uh, $7 million.
0: Okay. I was shocked on how old he is. 83. Damn, dude. He looked great. Yeah, he did. 83, $20 million. Good for Dude, honestly, one of the
1: nicest, coolest guys going, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. And Uh, I don't know
1: know why, but my kids love it. If you've not listened to Earache My Eye in the last 30 years, oh, wow. (laughs) Dude, it is so funny and so stupid. You got to go listen to that. God, he is so great on that. Fuck, I love Tommy Chong okay.
0: Here you go. Here's one of your favorites, one of your kids' favorites as well. John C. Riley.
1: John C. Riley is goddamn the greatest. He's so goddamn funny when he when uh, in Step Brothers, when um Robert starts spanking Will Ferrell, the look on John C. Riley's face is just that show is so stupid too. I'm gonna say John C. Riley today is uh fifty one. Fifty six. Fifty six, and I'm gonna say he's worth
0: a respectable seventeen million. Fifty million dollars.
1: Five zero? Five zero. Dude, how great is that?
0: Look at that. All right, here you go. You talk about Bob Dylan being overrated. For me, this is the most overrated female singer, Patty LaBelle.
1: Uh Patty LaBelle, would you rather do Patty LaBelle or Pink? Pink. I might do Patty LaBelle.
0: Yeah, neither one. Pink but- I think would hurt me.
1: Yeah, she, uh, Either you,
0: she'd yell at me and tell me I sucked or she would straight out just... I think Patty
1: LaBelle would encourage you. I think I think Pink would just... You're right, Patty LaBelle would encourage you. Come on, you. baby. Find your rhythm. Come on, Stella, get your groove back. She would. Yeah, she I would encourage I think she'd me. be very encouraging. Goddamn, Patty, I'm nervous. You're a celebrity. You got it, baby. Yeah. Don't worry.
0: Yeah, Pink would leave me crying probably.
1: She would. She would just... Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. She just texting.
1: Worst decision of my life. <laughs> she, she was trying to just tell you. Hashtag clothes. Sad re-closed. Dave. That's um, it. Wait, my guess is Patty. Oh,
0: Patty Labelle. Yeah, what's her age and how much is she worth? I think she's seventy
1: four. Seventy seven. I still think. I still think it's a go. Okay. <laughs> and I think she's. Uh, I think she's twenty four million. Sixty million dollars.
0: God damn! Of course it's a yes. go.
1: I'll sign a prenup. I don't care.
0: Oh, my gosh! All right, here we go. Five random questions okay This one made me laugh when I wrote it. Okay, Who is the most attractive person you've ever worked with in radio?
1: Oh, oh, I like that a lot. We've had some good ones. We've had some great ones. I know you're gonna say, well, think about who you're gonna say. um oh, I gotta think about it. this is really good, okay. I'm, Thinking of oh I hundred percent slam dunk Susan
0: DeVincent. oh Susan Devenson oh
1: my God she is great. the total package yes she is the total and she knows uh, I love her gorgeous and as cool as it gets yeah she's an absolute rock star yeah and I and I'd put my girl Piner uh, at one A Piner to me was just the
0: the greatest I love those two I thought you were gonna go Katie Moser
1: you know what man I love Rocket. I yeah, love no. Rocket, but she's, uh, yeah, she's younger than us. Rocket, I tell you what, Mosher's beautiful, man. She really is. I love that kid. Yeah. Uh, I just used to love yelling at her down the hall.
0: Rocket! I'm, t- <laughs> I'm trying to complete blank. Who's the girl we worked with at 1090, went to Hawaii with? She's like a model. Oh, shit, Sherry Landry. Sherry Landry. Gorgeous.
1: And also, Sherry Landry, like I said, with uh, with Suda Vincent and yeah. Piner, just as Cool as it gets. Oh, yeah, Landry's right there. That's a good one.
0: All right, here we go. Random question. If you could learn one magic spell, what would it be?
1: (laughs) I would like the magic spell for my kids to stop doing shit that annoys the fuck out of their mom. (laughs) It's really not that tough. Yeah, I like that one. I would like the ability also to just have a constant... Stream of $20 bills
0: available whenever I needed them.
1: (laughs) Tell the other thing, Dave, and this is it. But I have a buddy of mine. He's just kind of been down on his luck. Yeah. I would just like every now and then for just somebody to come from out of town and just smother this guy and just show him two days worth of love and just get his mojo back. He doesn't have to be locked into a long-term relationship, but I wish I had the spell to make that happen. Just somebody, like where you go, man. Those are so big; they're magical. (laughs) I'd like that. What's the spell you
0: would like? I kind of like the one about getting people to just tell the truth. You know, how great would it be if people never lied to you? Being Uh able to that. Well, we say that's good, and then we don't know. Well, it's like you know when people like they're they're just complete assholes. Hey, I tell the truth. No, you went out of your way to to basically hurt people's feelings. It's a big damn difference.
1: I had somebody lie to me tonight, and she knows she lied to me, but she lied to me, and I called her on it. And she knows and I know she's lying, which is super good because it's not like she lied. Yeah. Um, It's not like she lied to hurt my feelings or anything like that. She lied to say that she was okay with something when I know she's not. (laughs) And I told her, I go, you're a terrible fucking poker player. And she goes, I am a bad poker player. How do you know? And I said, because you have tells. Like, you have you have signs where I know you're full of shit. Yeah. And so then she answered something again. I go, all right, well, you didn't say I was wrong uh, that I called you on it. And she goes, you're wrong. And I was like, uh, okay, sure. <laughs> and it's great. So. Uh, No problems at all. It was so goddamn funny because she knows that I know I'm right and she can't handle it, which is great. (laughs) She's just trying to protect the feelings of a mutual friend. And I'm like, fucking call him out. Who cares? Call him out.
0: All right. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good of a driver are you? Well,
1: if you would have asked me. (laughs) Three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, I would have said about a 9.2. And goddamn. Goddamn. I got the Sonata Hybrid. This fucking car is so great. But the, the last car I had was a Nissan Sentra, which somebody sent me a message on Twitter. My apologies for not remembering who sent it to me, but they retweeted a guy that got absolutely demolished on the freeway and walked away from it in a Nissan Sentra. God damn if those little scrappy cars aren't pretty impressive when it comes to safety features. I bought this Sonata Hybrid, and I goddamn love it. It's the coolest car. But if you start to get close to the the lane, and you don't have your turn signal on, tick, 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 tick. hey hey hey, come on, get in the lane. <laughs> goddamn, you know you're. Just, I'm out in the middle of the freeway. There's yeah. nothing going on. There's nobody to my left or my right. I got blind side, so it can show you all this. Son of a bitch, if that fucking thing doesn't go off all the time, and my kids are like, hey, get in the lane. Oh, that's funny. Get in the lane. So now it said to me, Dave, how would you like your driving score? We're happy to provide your driving score. It can benefit your insurance. I'm like, fuck that. My driving <laughs> score is going to be about 11. So if you would have asked me three weeks ago, I would have said I think I'm pretty good. But shit, now everything's up for debate. How about you?
0: I would have said uh, I would have said a ten. Also, now I'm not so sure. I like I, I'm I don't, not even sure. I'm a five. Yeah, I don't get tickets. I don't cause accidents. Yeah, I drive at a faster speed the most. So when that guy was oh. on the road, you, you you don't dislike me when I'm on the road. But uh, it's funny, my son hates the way I drive. Like I, I can Why? tell, he thinks I just will not drive fast enough. But I, you've driven with me. I drive oh. faster than anyone. you Dude, know. Jim Bentonport,
1: <laughs> Jim Bentoncourt is listening. Let me tell you right now, man, and and listen to me or don't. I've been lucky enough to do a lot of fun things in my life. I am 100% cool if I'm never in another head-on accident. Yes. I'm not saying you got to drive 52 miles an hour. Don't drive around like your fucking Norman fell. But, <laughs> but dude, I'm telling you, I was consistently, you know, I, I could get up there. Now, that night, thankfully on the 5th, I wasn't because it was mellow. Man, oh, man. That night was pretty mellow, and I'm telling you, in the in the two and a half weeks since then, yeah. I've just stayed pretty mellow. Like yeah. you don't you need to have time to react. You need and by the way, in the state of California, if there's debris in the road, legally you better be driving at a rate of speed where you can avoid it or you will be at fault. Wow. Yeah, I would just tell you be careful for everybody. Not again, not saying you gotta drive sixty one, don't be right that guy where you're a detriment to everybody else. But, man, avoid those dudes flying by at 90. It's just so dangerous.
0: I'm with you. All right. What city will you be living in in 10 years?
1: Uh, mm. I like that. Uh, I think I'll be here in San Diego. Okay. Uh, I think I'll be here. I would love to be in Toronto, which is probably my favorite place in the world. I would love to be in Toronto. But I just think it depends on really where my kids are at too, yeah. right? Like if my kids go, "Hey, I took a job in Chicago," and the other one says, "I'm going to Charlotte, North Carolina," right? And they have families and grandkids, the whole thing. I don't, I don't want to be a six-hour flight away. I want to yeah. be close. Um, but if they're like, "Hey, I'm in San Diego and I've established roots here," the whole deal, uh, then I'll, I'll be where they're at. Right?
0: Yeah, I'm way. wherever Josh is at. It's probably will I'll be at you know so he's talking about moving he's yeah he's moving to nashville in july so what happens to you well i'll be here i mean the way it works is rita has to work at least another nine years okay until she retires yeah and for me obviously i love coaching baseball you and i can do this show wherever you know what i mean yeah but it's it's one of those where i'll be wherever josh is at. yeah i mean that's that's well you should say wherever rita is well, she'll be in the same situation. Uh, yeah. Okay, right, here we go. What's your go-to movie or TV show you always recommend?
1: Um, oh, boy, that's good. I heard Stern talking about Sopranos the other day. You know, I watched it when we wrapped up in yep. 07. You know, I've never went back and oh, watched another episode. I'm watching never, the
0: last season with Josh right now.
1: I never, I've never, i never watched another episode of Breaking Bad. Either.
0: Oh, wow. Um, Did you watch all of Breaking Bad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, everything. I've seen, that, I've seen both series probably six times.
1: Um, I don't know that I've seen much of season one and season two of The Sopranos. Okay. I think I got in around season three and just wrote it out from there. Yeah. Fuck, I loved it. I, I don't know, man. I loved it. I didn't argue or freak out about the ending. Yeah. I just I just dug it. I was I like, well, fuck it, David Chase knows better than I know, right? Yes. And Vince Gilligan knows how to. I love Breaking Bad, but I've never gone back. I We were just saying it, Dave. I can goddamn... Because of my sons, I can watch Step Brothers every day of the week and find something in that movie. We saw an interview that the guy, Richard Jenkins, who plays the dad, did an interview on Rich Eisen's show that was so goddamn funny. And the interview, he said that last scene when they're at the Catalina wine cooler. Wine mixer. Or wine mixer, excuse me. And when Dale and Brennan are trying to figure out what to do right the band the the Billy Joel tribute band's left and when he goes and gives him a motivational speech he said the director told him i need you to go tell those guys that when you were a kid you wanted to be a dinosaur and that whole thing is ad lib is that right that there's it's not the little we- arms <laughs> yeah the little arms bobby you're 17 <laughs> give it up and they look at him and go that's not physically possible I'm telling you, there's so much... What's the wife's name? The the (sighs) sister-in-law? Catherine Hahn, who's so goddamn funny. Let's go! Dane Cook, (laughs) pay-per-view. So much stupid shit, throwaway movies. If you need fertilizer, I got plenty. Like, that goddamn movie, Dave. But not the TNT version. Yeah. Like, you gotta go... Old school Blu-ray on that. What's your, what do you go to? What's your go to?
0: You know, I'm always, my favorite TV shows of all time are Sopranos and Breaking Bad. So, nice. but, but everybody always seems like they've seen them. So I don't, I'm kind of yeah. like out on the conversation. I hate when someone recommends something that I can't stand. So if you're going to recommend something, it better be a home run. You know? Do you have HBO Max? I do. I do. Right now, my, my wife's watching on Netflix. She's sort of watching, I think it's called, uh, Offspring. It's about a family in, uh, in, um, Australia. And it's so hard to understand everybody. It's driving out of your fucking mind. What did they say? I watched, I had uh, KFI on last night. Yeah. And they were cracking me
1: up. I don't know who the hosts were. It was a guy and a woman. And they were talking about in LA right now. If you go and get vaccinated, you're put into a drawing for tickets to Hamilton. And we got buddy Steve Quiz. Has probably seen Hamilton like 50 times, right? These two just ripped the shit out of Hamilton. That show sucks. (laughs) Unless you got subtitles. There's two or three songs that are good. The rest of it's boring. And it's like, because Hamilton's one of those shows that people whisper, right? Yeah. Have you seen Hamilton? (laughs) And you're like, what? What'd you ask me? (laughs) Oh, my God. Lin-Manuel. He's so fantastic. And you're like, Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <You're> like, <"What? laughs> Have you seen Hamilton? <laughs> and these two last night on KFI were like, that show sucks. I don't want to win tickets to that. <laughs> so uh yeah, I would go Step Brothers. That is good. That's good. All
0: right. So we're back on uh on Wednesday.
1: We'll see you uh Wednesday night. Thanks again to the great Ernie Martinez. Uh don't forget, as mentioned, coming up I think around June fourteenth, Josh Lewin in the garage. I can't wait for that. And then uh, Boach confirmed he's traveling. And then uh, Boach is going to come down and hang out too. We'll look forward to that as well.
0: Be really cool. All right, everybody.